0: Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chaim Aran. We're up to the section entitled Avodas Hashem, paragraph 491, Toft Tzadik Aleph. We dedicate the learning today for a complete Rafur Shalema for all those that need it, including Tzvi Yosef ben Sora HaSema, David ben Behia, Shandal Basleya, Hanemeral bas Gittgenendol Basipoira, Lebele'e Basipoira Baruch Mordechai ben Tali Shimon Eliezer ben Rachel Shlomo ben Rivka Shprinza Besuch Sha'ar Choli Yisra Rab Nusnezzar tells us that in the year 5,566 this is approximately five years before Rab passed away between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur Rabbi Nezal came out of the mikveh and he said that it was revealed to him from heaven exactly how all of his followers should conduct themselves regarding fasting throughout their lives. Exactly how many fasts and which fasts each one of his students needs to fast in addition to the standard fasts that all of Kval Yisrael fasts and exactly how this should be done. And after the after sukkahs was over, Rav Nosuzal says, we went into Rabbeinazal, each and every student separately, alone, and Rabbein gave each one a paper in which was written down exactly when that student should fast. And Rabbein had a, a paper with his own handwriting where he had written down certain things which Rab Nassar says, I don't know what was written there because Rav did not allow us to look at that paper. Only when I sat, when I sat with Rav to receive the, the sheet with the fast that I should fast, then I saw Rav sitting by a table and he had a sheet written in front of him. I don't know what was written there. And Rav sat and thought over carefully, looking over that, that paper. And Rabbi Enzal seemed to be really struggling intensely before I heard him actually speak <clears throat> and tell me exactly which days of the year I need to fast. And only afterwards did he reveal to me those days. And Rab- Rabbein Ezzel told me to write it down on a paper to make sure that I remember it. And he warned me to make sure I remember these days and not lose that paper. Rabbein instructed us that on Rosh Hashanah, before he says his Torah, which was usually between the first and second day of Rosh Hashanah, after Tashlich, <coughs> is when Rabbein would give over the, the Torah, the Rosh Hashanah Torah. And when Rabbi Nizar was preparing himself to say the Torah, that's when all of us should accept upon ourselves the fasts that he instructed each and every one of us individually to fast throughout the year. And then on Rosh Hashanah, at the time that Rabbein is preparing himself to say the Torah, that's exactly the time when we should accept upon ourselves the fasts for the entire year. We know that there is a concept when a person intends to fast that at the mincha, the day before, the person has to have a kabol astayinus, to declare that they're, they're accepting upon themselves a fast the following day. And then Rabbein said that whoever would not be there with Rabbein Hazal for Rosh Hashanah, should not fast at all these additional fasts that Rabbein gave. And sure enough, that's what took place, that when Rabbein gave over these, these, the list of fast days to the, to the rest of Anshay Shlameinu, all of them told me that they saw the same thing, that Rabbein sat on a paper that he had in front of him, and he thought for a while looking over that paper <clears throat> before he actually gave over a sheet of paper to that individual student which which told the student exactly which days they should be fasting. And they understood, everyone understood from Rabbi Nizal's words that these fasts were something very precious and this was a very, very high level of the Hashem and of connecting to Hashem, Rav writes, "Ashreinu shezochinu lekablam." How fortunate we were to be zochet to receive this that Rav prescribed for each student exactly which days of the year that student needs to fast for their tikkun. And Rav says that this this went on for approximately two years. Afterwards, when Rabbein returned from Lemberg, we know that three years before Rabbein passed away, he contracted tuberculosis, a very serious disease of the lungs, with terrible coughing of phlegm, and towards the end it was coughing of blood. And at one point, Rabbein went to the city of Lemberg, which was known as a city where they had professors. They had people who were very, very knowledgeable in medicine. And when Rabbein returned, we spoke about this earlier in Chaim Aram, when we spoke about Rabbein trips. <laughs> when Rabbein returned, he told all of us not to do any of those fasts anymore, those additional fasts that Rabbein Hazal had given us. And Rabbein said... A person who doesn't come to me for Rosh Hashanah, they don't eat to, they shouldn't fast at all, these, those fasts that I gave them, those additional fasts. And a person who's privileged to be with me for Rosh Hashanah, that person definitely doesn't need these fasts at all because they were privileged to be by me for Rosh Hashanah. And Rav Zal says you could understand, you could imagine how Rabbi Nizal was stressing how much is accomplished by a person being by him for a Hashanah. Now, Rav Nassar writes, look back in an earlier chapter, the chapter where it speaks about the importance of being by Rabbein for Rosh Hashanah, where we had a few pages on that, we had a few shuram on that, about how great is the privilege of being by Rabbein for Rosh Hashanah. And then afterwards, Rabbein said, you don't understand, you you don't really feel what I'm doing with you. Because earlier, I instructed you to fast. And then I told you not to fast. Meaning that this should give us an idea as to Rav greatness. Because something like this, that a tzaddik should tell people, each and every person, exactly which days of the year they need to fast for the of their neshama, that itself is something incredible that was not heard of in earlier generations. We don't find any Tanoim in the Gemara or any Rishonim that did this, that, that prescribed this for their Talmidim, that somebody should reveal specifically for each and every student exactly which days of the year they need to fast for the Tikkun of their Neshama throughout their lives. And even though that's something that's an incredible high level, Rabbein Hazal afterwards to reach a much higher level to the point where the new level that he reached, he said, now you don't need any of those fasts at all, anymore. And Rav Nils-Zal says a person who has a brain in their head could get an idea as to what we're talking about here in terms of Rav Azal's greatness. And Rav said at the time, that if one of these days that I told you to fast comes out on... Rabbi gave them a calendar day of the year, the 25th of Kisle, of Teves, whatever it was, if it comes out on a Shabbos or on a Rosh Chodesh, on days that a person doesn't fast for whatever reason, then it gets postponed to the day afterwards, as is generally the case. And Rabbi Nezah writes that Rabbi stressed to me that during these months... Of the fast days that he gave me specifically, I should be extremely careful to fulfill the mitzvah of Miser, giving a tenth of any earnings, any gift that I receive any earnings, and to be very, very strong and careful with this mitzvah to the highest degree that I possibly can. And even after Rabbi Inzal told all of us not to fast anymore, he spoke to me about that mitzvah, Rav Nossenzel says, and Rav Nossenzel said to me that I need to be very careful about miser with everything that I pass, so with all my strength, and even throughout the entire year, and, it's, and not just during those months that he had prescribed fast for, Rav Nossenzel said, <coughs> extremely, extremely careful about miser I remember my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, the last year of his life, he went through different sicknesses throughout his lifetime. He had colitis, he had other struggles, <coughs> And but towards the end of his life, he went through a, a period of extreme pain and difficulty. He went to all kinds of doctors and nobody was able to find what it was that was giving him this pain. He couldn't sleep at night at all. And once he said, when he came to shul in the morning, you can't imagine what it is to be begging, begging for five or ten minutes of sleep, and not getting it, being up a whole night, trying to fall asleep, and couldn't sleep because of the pain. And at one point, one of the doctors discovered a growth in his intestine, and they thought that maybe this is it, maybe if we operate and take this out, this will solve the problem. And when he went to operate he discovered pancreatic cancer, which in those days, in 1978, it didn't show up on any tests that they took in the hospitals in America, in Eretz <clears throat> and the doctor closed him up and said, there's nothing we can do at this point, how it had spread. Two days later, he was on a plane to Eretz He had stayed in America, he had always wanted to live in Eretz desperately, but his Rebbe Rabavram Sternharts, Rabavram Kochav Leifzal, had stressed to him that as important and special as it is to be living in Eretz Yisrael and to be part of the Breslov community in Eretz Yisrael, the work that he was doing in America at that time was far more important and much greater of helping people become religious, helping people come to Breslov. He accomplished worlds. But once he understood that this was this was his condition, and the doctor said it was only a matter of possibly weeks that, that he would live. He was on a plane to he had a small apartment that his brother-in-law had bought for him years before, and that's where he lived out the months that he lived from that point on, and passed away on the 11th of Kislev. During that period of time, when he was in Eretz Yisrael, and his students, most of his students were in America, I had the privilege of keeping up phone contact with him when he was able to talk, which wasn't, wasn't always. It wasn't easy because of the pain. And shortly before Rosh Hashanah, he spoke to me at the time, and he said to me, I want you to give the she'er on Rosh Hashanah, and one of the things I want you to include in the shir is the following item. And he spoke about the fact that there's a pusik in the Torah, in, in Chumash Dvorim, where Hashem says, "Aser ta'aser is called Give a tithe. Give ten percent of all of your produce to Tzedakah, Meiser. And he mentioned we know that Yaakov Avinu is the third forefather of the Jewish people. We have Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov, and in many ways, Yaakov Avinu is considered the most important one. He's called B'chir Shabavis. The choicest one of the three. Avram Avinu, although he produced Yitzchak Avinu, he also had a Yishmael. Yitzchak Avinu, although he produced Yaakov Avinu, he also had an Esav. Yaakov Avinu was the one who produced a Mito Shlema, a complete array of Tzadikim, of all religious children, the Shvatim, the 12 Shvatim, and Dina, And at one point, Yaakov Avinu had a major confrontation with the angel of Esau. And the Torah tells us that at that point, his name was changed. Yaakov Avinu's name was changed from Yaakov to Yisroel. The word Yaakov is associated with Ekev. Ekev means the bottom, the heel of the foot, which is all the way on bottom. The word Yisroel has in it the word Rosh Rosh means the head the top the word Yisroel is Li Rosh and there's a lot written about this in all Sfarim explaining what Yaakov is what Yisroel is but Rav Rosenfeld mentioned at the time that the Yisroel Kodesh says that how did Yaakov Avinu earn this title Yisroel it's specifically the, the, the mitzvah of Miser. The word Yisroel, the numerical value of the word Yisroel is 541. 541. The two words, Aser, Taaser, are five hundred and forty plus 540 plus 1,000. 1,540. We know that in Hebrew, in and Kodesh, one is Aleph, and a thousand is elif. It's the same exact letters. Elef is a thousand. Aleph is one. So that one thousand five hundred and forty is like five hundred and forty-one. And he stressed that it's this mitzvah of Meiser specifically that earns a Jew this title Yisroel to be part of Yisroel, which means roish this roish. And we know that the word Yisroel also is a composite of all of the Avois and all of the Imohais. The Yud represents Yitzchak and Yaakov, the Shin is Sarah, the resh is Rivka and Rachel, the Aleph is Avraham, and the Lamed is Leah. You have all three Avois and all four Emois included in this word Yisrael, and it's this mitzvah specifically which gives a Jew the ability to take upon themselves this awesome title, Yisroel, Bnei Yisroel. And he stressed this because one of the ways that Rav Rosenfeld was able to accomplish the things he accomplished, supporting Breslov Eretz Yisroel at the time, this is before there was anything going on in (coughs) Oman, but supporting all the different possible events and, 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 and yeshivas and shuls, of which there were very few at that time. And and the tzaddikim, the poor people that were in Israel at the time, Rav Rosenfeld encouraged his talmidim to give miser, to make sure that anything you earn, to give 10%, and to give your miser to Breslov He would stress that a person would come to the Besin Sharmalah and a person will say, I'm a or I'm connected to Rabbi Nachman. And they'll say, how? And the person will say, I say tikkun every day. They'll say, not enough, because there are Satmar Hasidim, there are other people who make it perfectly clear that I'm not a breast lover, but Tikun Lali is a beautiful thing, why not? Ten chapters of Tehillim, it's not that difficult, it's great. Personal say, I went to Oman. I bought a plane ticket, I traveled to the Ukraine, I went to Oman. I went to Oman for Rosh Hashanah. There are hundreds, or so today possibly thousands of people that have been to Oman for Rosh Hashanah, and you ask them are you a Breslover? No, I'm not. I never learned Likuteimran or maybe I heard one or two things from there. I'm not a Breslover, but I it was a, I heard about going to Uranosharn, nice thing. I thought it was a beautiful thing. I enjoyed it good. Still not a person cannot say that they are a member of Rabennatzal, but a person who says that my miser, my meiser I give strictly to Breslov to Rabennatzal Zenyonim, that's something that's irrefutable. That's something that cannot be challenged because a person who's not a breast wouldn't do that, wouldn't say that my meiser, my choicest stucca goes to breast period. Anyone else who asks for charity, if I can, I give a dollar, I give a shek, whatever I can. But my meiser is reserved for my rabbi, my rabbi. So here we see that Rabbein spoke to Rabbein about this and stressed to him the, the incredible importance of this mitzvah. Question in the chat, is it true that for the first year, Rabbein students didn't accept their fasts formally because Rosh Hashanah had already passed? And can we please explain, in general, what's achieved by formally accepting one's fast in advance? The answer is, this is the Halacha, the Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch tell us that when a person is taking upon themselves a fast, the time to do it is at Mincha the day before. Regarding what you mentioned about the first year, I don't know anything about that. I don't know that they did not accept their fasts formally uh, because Rosh Hashanah had already passed. It would seem from the way it's presented here that Rabbi Nezal told them from that point on to do it. It was after, after Sukkot. With, I, I don't know if he told them to miss that first year and first start the following before Rosh Hashanah or not. It's there's no mention of that. Rav Noson Zal adds related to this the next paragraph, four ninety two. That when Rav gave out these sheets, to to the students regarding these fasts. He gave, gave it to one of his students and this student, who received it, commented that, I I didn't expect this. I expected that Rabbein Hazal would give us many days, a, a, a much bigger number of days in the year to fast. And now I see it's only a few days, it's only a couple of days. Rabbein Hazal responded to him And he said, we have the famous story in the Navi regarding Naaman. Naaman, who was a general in the army of one of the other nations, not a Jew at all. And this Naaman at one point contracted leprosy, a disease, a skin disease all over his body. And it tortured him. And he tried all kinds of medications and he tried bathing in all of these special rivers in Damascus. Nothing helped him. And at one point, a Jewish slave that they had captured <clears throat> said to him, there's a holy man among the Jews, if you're smart, maybe go to him, maybe he can cure you. Naaman was ready to try anything, <clears throat> because everything else he tried had failed, so he traveled to where Elisha Hanavi, the student of Elianovi, who had taken over after Elianovi, where Elisha Hanavi was, And Elisha didn't even invite him in. He he saw with his Nevoah, he saw that Naaman was coming and what he was coming for. He sent one of his students out. He said, tell Naaman to bathe here in the Jordanian River seven times. Naaman heard this He was horrified. That's what I traveled here for, to come to bathe in the Jordanian River? We have rivers in Damascus that are a hundred times more therapeutic and everything. And he refused to believe that this could cure him. And he said, there's Ammona, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus. I bathed in all of them. Until his servants said to him, Father, they referred to him as Father, the prophet said something to you you're here already. What do you have to lose? Try it. And sure enough, he listened. He got off his horse. He dipped seven times. The first six times, nothing changed. On the seventh time, his skin went back to being 100% perfect, like baby skin. And the Navi tells the whole story that, that continued after that. So Rabbi Nezah said to this student, to you also it seems that in order to cure your neshama, it requires incredible things, <clears throat> who knows, maybe fasting 40 days straight, etc., and you don't believe that with a small item that I prescribe to you, that could give you a complete refuah, a, re, a complete refuah for your nefesh, for your soul. And now, Rav Nossam Zalev's here, that this information is extremely important for us, in many, many different occasions. Because sometimes a person has an opportunity to do something important in Kedusha, but it's difficult, it's not an easy thing, and sometimes the person will not do it because of the difficulty involved, because of the obstacles that are blocking them from being able to accomplish it, and the person doesn't succeed in, in overcoming all the obstacles. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes a person will not perform a certain item of Kidusha, because it looks too, it's too simple, it's too easy. Ten chapters at Tehillim, And what's that? That's nothing. Hasasvashan. And because of that, the person doesn't believe that their whole eternity could be dependent, could be affected, could be benefited by this item. And Rav Zal says, we know the truth is, the Gemara tells us, that a Jew should be careful about a mitzvah kala kachamura. There are some mitzvahs that are easier to perform, and there are some mitzvahs that are much more difficult. And the Torah warns us, you don't know, none of us know the reward for a mitzvah. We have no idea sometimes which one could benefit our Neshama more. And the Torah warns us to be careful about this. not to think that we are qualified to judge what's going to help us more or less but rather a person the Pesach says don't you try to judge what's really going to benefit your life and therefore whatever you can possibly do to help your neshama do it because the Sahara all the different obstacles and tricks that the ait sahara does to try to prevent a person are all most of it is mania samoyach. it's in the person's mind that sometimes the ait sahara puts it into a person's mind that there's no way you can do that it's way too hard it's above you there's no way you'll be able to do it and and the ait sahara wants to stop the person from accomplishing something through those kind of thoughts and sometimes the Sahara works in the opposite direction. He makes light. That's a joke. You think just mentioning the names of tzaddikim, that, that's, that's ridiculous, that's absurd, that's nothing. And, a, and, and the Sahara will try to prevent a person from doing something significant by making light of it, where the person doesn't, doesn't realize that their, their, their life depends on it. And this is all just to prevent a person from doing what they need to do. And Rav Nosan Zal says, sometimes this type of obstacle, these thoughts, can be more difficult than an actual physical obstacle. Buying, uh, ha, bu- buying a, t- a plane ticket, having money to, to travel to Israel, or something like that. But Rav Nosan Zal adds, the pasuk Choylech Bisaim however a person who goes with simplicity and sincerity that person goes with confidence and they don't look at any obstacles or any nonsense any, anything that would confuse them but rather whatever a person can do to help themselves the person does it if I know that this, this is an 8th of kedusha, then of course I want to do it, what's the question? question in the chat giving tzedakah li nishmas rabinachman, Nachman does that count regarding <coughs> the item that was mentioned previously the answer is of course giving tzedakah always, always counts a person who does it specifically has in mind I'm giving this tzedakah for the benefit of the Nishama of Rabinachman. Nachman of course it's a very special thing And it's a connection, an important connection. But again, Rav Rosenfeld spoke about Meiser, that uh, uh, the Meiser should be dedicated, allocated specifically for Breslov. Another question in the chat. Didn't Rabbein Ezzel also once say that whatever he tells his people to do, even if it's the most simple thing, is going to be very difficult because he prescribed it? The answer is, it's true, it's true, but again, everything is relative. There are things that are more difficult and there are things that are less difficult. If we say, getting up for chatzois, a person going to sleep and getting up at midnight every single night, doing that steadily, that kind of thing, is obviously cannot be compared to reciting a page of Shema Satsadikim. Or reciting the tikana HaKloli, or other items, or going to the mikvah, for example. Each thing, everything is relative in its difficulty. Rabbi Zal did say that the fact that he says it, the fact that he tells somebody to do it, the satan is going to try, the satan knows the value of emuna sadikim that when a person shows faith in a tzaddik by complying with what the tzaddik wants, that's a, a very, very special thing. But still, even within the things that Rabbein prescribed, they're not all equal. There are levels and levels of difficulty versus ease. Question? Do we, do we have this list of tenesim? No, no not tenesim. at all. Rabbein did not tell us that any and of the... No one. The fa- no, one no one listed it. But again, these were individually. Each individual okay. student, he prescribed for them the fast that they should fast in addition to the, the standard fast that Kal Yisrael fasts. We know that there are special fasts that that Hasidim in general, and especially in Breslov respect, such as right now, we're in the period of time that's called Shavavim, or because this is a leap year, it's called Shivavim Tat, all the weeks from Pasha Shemais Through Parshas Tetzaveh, there's a custom to fast one of the days of the week, if possible. Either a full day or a half a day during Shavavim, up to Chatzoy Siyoim. And there's also a custom not to eat Dovor Menachai, anything that comes from a living animal, eggs, fish, meat, poultry, those kind of things, during one of the days of the week of Shavavim. We have Erev Rosh this week. The, on Thursday is going to be Erev Rosh There's the special feel of Yom Kippur Koton that we have several months of the year. And again, there are those who fast the day of Erev Rosh or at least half a day, on These are things that even though Rabbeinu Hazal, I wanted to mention this before, that towards the end of his life, Rabbeinu Hazal told his students that there's a better way than fasting. Rabbeinu Hazal said he himself broke his body, through the many, many fasts that he did in his youth, fasting from Shabbos to Shabbos, 18 times one year that he did, 18 weeks, and, and other things like that, that Rabbi Nezal said that towards the end of his life, he realized that tefillah, and especially his betadus, could accomplish everything that fasting can accomplish better, with no side effects. But still, these fasts, Shavavim Erev Rishchodesh, Bahab, those are things that are mentioned in Shulchan Aruch, they are mentioned as customs that some Jews follow. Those things, people in of those that can, try to keep those things. The next item, on a lighter note, paragraph Toft regarding the questions that people have about Sadikim. And especially regarding Rabbeinazal, the questions that people had about him. Why did he do this? And why did he say that? And how could he say this? And how could he do that? Rabbenazal said jokingly <clears throat> that it's as a result of the questions that people ask on us, that's how we get parnasa, and that's how we get wealth. And he explained we know that, and he, he said, that the wealth and parnasa of tzaddikim who are involved in studying Torah Ishma comes only through questions. What does this mean? We know the Gemara says in Shabbos, page 63, that there's a pasuk, Oyrech yomim oy that the Torah gives long life to those who are connected to the right side of the Torah, and it gives wealth and honor to those who are connected to the left side. And one of the explanations of the right side and the left side are the right side means a person who learns Torah lishma, a person who's learning Torah not for any personal gain at all, not for money, and not for covid, not for personal kavoit, learning Torah to elevate the shechina, to, to bring a tikkun to the world, to give Hashem nachas, that's the right side, whereas the left side, the word smoilo in Hebrew, smoilo, which means the left side, makes up the words lo'i lishma. not for the proper reasons, where a person is learning for, for other reasons, like we mentioned. So Rabbi Zanzar said here that the parnosah and the wealth of tzadikim who learn lishma comes only through questions. Why? Because according to this basic interpretation we just said, those that are learning lishma are given the blessing of long life. Now, long life doesn't have to mean living to 80, 90, 100 years. Long life means that every day of that person's life is long. That that person in one day could accomplish what another person accomplishes in a week, or a month, or a year. That's called Arich Yomim, as Rabbi Nezzar says in chapter 60 in the Maran. But again, so we're, tell, we're saying here that the Tzadikim who are learning L'shmoah, they're on the right side, so they don't get oisha, they don't get wealth, they don't have Parnassah. So the Gemara asks, what do you mean? The Gemara asks, on the right side there's long life, but no wealth, no money? And the Gemara, this, the Gemara asks this question, and the Gemaraian says, no, 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 of course, of course, wealth and kavoy. If we're telling you that the right side gives you long life, of course it also gives you, the right of course has the benefits of the left plus additional benefits. So Rab- Rab- Rabbi said here, so we see that the parnasa, the wealth of those that learned Torah only came about through a question. At first, the way the Gemara was learned at first, it's clear the right side gets this. It's only because the Gemara asked the question, You mean to say they don't have this? The answer was, Of course they do. So it's the question that resulted in the Oishar and Kovit for who veered to the right, who studied Torah Lishma. Because if not for that question, then based on the simple translation of that Pasuk, that tzaddikim wouldn't have parnasa; they wouldn't have wealth. It's only because of the question that they have it. <clears throat> so Rabbi Nezal said, so therefore, all of these questions that these people have, how could Rabbi Nachman say this? How could he do this? How could he do that? All of these questions, it's through this that we get parnasa, because the main oyshev comes from questions. This is sort of a joke. What Rav Nosenzhal says that even though Rav said this jokingly, in Yiddish it's called a vertel, but the, the fact is there is significance in these words, <laughs> there is tremendous depth, and there's a deep secret in what Rav said. Because when Rav said a vertel, when Rav said a joke, his jokes had tremendous depth in it. We find one of the deepest chapters in Likuteh Mera chapter 63, which is called Soid Kavonas Samila, where Rabinazal explains the secret Kavonas that the Arizal says about the mitzvah of Mila. Rabbenazal has an incredible deep Torah on that. And it started off with a joke. Rabbenazal saw that Rab Nosinzal's shoe was crooked a little, and he made a joke about Rabnosazal's shoe, and, and people smiled, and then Rabbenazal said, now let me see one of you tell me how all the Kavonas of the Arizal and Mila are in that joke I just said. And they couldn't imagine, what in the world is he talking about? And he went on to explain incredible secrets that came from that joke. So Rav says now that even a, a simple person that has some knowledge can understand some of the hints that Rav spoke about here. Rav Nachman Chirin, who organized the Chaimaran, Aran, says, take a look in chapter 12 in Likud Aran." the chapter that begins with the words Tehillah L'david, which speaks about this, which speaks about Torah Lishma and those who learn Torah lishmah and how Hashem forces the Tzaddik sometimes to veer off, to go into the left in order that the Tzaddik should be able to bring Parnassah and wealth to the Jewish people because that requires veering to the left and the Tzaddik doesn't want to do that. The Tzaddik wants to be on the right. He wants to learn only Lishmah. And Rabbeinu Zal has an incredible chapter of Likuteim Imran there explaining this whole process. And also in Likud Hilch in Yoridea, Hilchas Talmud Torah, Gimel, which is based on that chapter in Likuteim a person will get an idea about this whole topic of, of the right side of the Torah, the Lishmo and Loi Lishmoah, and how Tzadikim who need both, They need both, because in order to bring a Shefa, in order to bring Parnosa to the world to the Jewish nation, it has to come from the left side. There are many Psukim showing this. in Zoha Ranos throughout this mentions this. So again, in this little joke Rabenazar made is hinted this whole deep concept. Any questions? Is it similar to the idea if somebody speaks lashon hara about somebody else, then he, he can get the, the victim can get some of the zechuyos of the of the speaker? Sure, yes. yeah, the the are challenges or negating or putting the person down, and therefore you transfer some of that. Uh, in the case of lashon hara, there's a it's a known item that when a person chas v'sham speaks against another Jew. Sometimes what they do in heaven is they do a swap. The one who spoke, they give him all of the other person's sins, and the one who was spoken about receives all of his mitzvahs. <laughs> there is such a concept. There is such a concept. Here, these people who are questioning the tzaddik, <laughs> if if it's being done respectfully, if it's being done to insult the tzaddik or something like that. They're in big trouble, very big trouble. But if a person is saying, I don't understand, how could he do this? How could he, I don't understand this. They're saying it with respect. Rabbein is all saying from those questions, from that lack of people's ability to understand certain things that tzaddikim do, from the question comes this concept of the tzaddik being able to connect to the left side, Mm -hmm. which comes from a question in the Gemara. There's a Pasuk in the Torah that says that Sadiq is here and Parnos is there. They're in two different locations. We find, interestingly, in Likutei Imran there's a chapter in Likud Imran where it speaks about the, 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 the students of Rabbeinu, the, the students of the Mizrich Magid, that their Rebbe, the Mizrich Magid, saw that there was a, a very wealthy person in the community, and the Mizritch Magid said, I want you to try to do whatever you can to bring him to me, to get him to come close to me. And he said, and I want you to dafin to Hashem, to beg Hashem to help you, to show you how to do this, how to succeed in bringing this wealthy person to the Mizritch Magid." His students did this, and they succeeded. This person became close to the Magid, and as time went on, he started losing all of his wealth, all of his financial wealth. And the question was asked, what happened? Here he got, came close to so great at Sadiq and he's being so good. And Rabbi Nezal explained, we know the Gemara tells us, that when a person is davening Shmon Esrei, that we face towards Eretz Yisrael, towards Yerushalayim, towards the Beis HaMikdash. But the Gemara says, if a person's interested in Chachma, they should face a little bit towards the right. If a person's interested in wealth, they should face a little bit towards the left. So Rabbein said, we see here that chachma and wealth are in two opposite directions. So when this student was coming close to the as HaMaget, he was getting all of this chachma, therefore he lost his wealth. But Rabbein went on to say, but there is a solution to this. The solution is that if a person is nothing, if a person is nobody, if a person has real humility, then that person is nowhere. That person is not there, and he's not there. He's no, he doesn't take up any space. He's more, Moshe Rabbeinus said, mo, we are nothing. If a, through anava, a person can have both. And Zal gave examples. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who was wealthier than the Roman emperor, the Gemara says his humility was extraordinary. And its who had wealth, Moshe Rabbeinu, that that this, through real humility, that can give a person the ability to have both. That it shouldn't be a contradiction, the wealth and the chachma. Question? Regarding what was said about the switch in Shomayim, if someone speaks Lashon Hara and getting their averas from, and losing their mitzvahs, is there also a decision how, how to get it back how to get your mitzvahs back the answer is a person would have to do a real tshuva a real tshuva would mean going to the person they spoke about and apologizing to that person and, and going to the people that they spoke to and telling them I realize I did a terrible thing and speaking against another Jew I regret it completely and I want you to ignore whatever I said you know to, to ignore it completely the, the Torah tells us you know how a person does tshuva for every sin. The Chofetz Chaim wrote the special Svarim Shmira Salosheim where he explains everything a person would need to know about this. Mm-hmm. The next paragraph, Tuft Sadikai. <coughs> Tov four ninety five. 495, mm-hmm. Rab Zal writes that Rabbi Nezal had already once told us that the Baal once made a joke and they were they were enjoying it, they were smiling about it in the Olam Huatzilus. That, that the Baal Shem Tov was able to bring joy in the Olam Huatzilus, which is way above the angels. We're talking about the highest. The word Eitzel means closest closest to Hashem through the joke, through the vertel that the Baal Shem Tov said. So when a tzaddik makes a joke, we need to know the Gemara makes a very powerful statement. The Gemara says, that when a Talmud Chachem is having an ordinary conversation with a person, study what the Talmud Chachem says, because their words always contain important information. So that's si in an ordinary talk. A joke seems to be even a level lower than that, and yet, in, in, when a tzaddik makes a joke, a person needs to know that there's tremendous importance, tremendous holiness in that, and sometimes important advice. The next paragraph, Tov Tzaddik Vov. Rav Zal said, that one time there was a discussion in the presence of Rabbein Hazal, the people were talking about gaiva, about arrogance. And Rabbein Hazal spoke up and said, why do you have to even talk about that? I don't have gadlus, I'm, I'm, I'm not arrogant. And Rabbein Hazal had already told us incredible things about himself. And Rabbein Hazal said that he has the ability to say that he doesn't feel any gaivah at all whatsoever, which is the epitome of humility, just like in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu, where Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who wrote the words in the Torah, Hoish Moshe Onav Ma'id, that Moshe Rabbeinu is the most humble person that ever lived, and, and, and retained that. It's written in the Torah, which means it's 100% true. And as we find in the Gemara, the Gemara at the end of Saita, where the Gemara says, when this rabbi passed away, from that point on, there was no longer real respect for Torah. And then the Gemara says, when another rabbi passed away, there was no longer true humility. And the Gemara says, when that statement (coughs) was made, Rav Yosef said, excuse me, that's not the case. Don't list another as something that disappeared, because I'm here. Now a person reading that, who doesn't know, who doesn't know that the Torah is divine wisdom, that this is the word of Hashem, this is what was given to Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai, he reads this, and he says, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. A person should say, don't say there are no more humble people because I'm humble, that's real gaiva. And the answer is, it's not real gaiva. Rabbeinu Zal taught us, that the highest level of humility is when a person could say, I am humble, or a person could speak about his greatness and not feel one iota of arrogance. The person knows that this is all Hashem, it's not me. The person is completely, completely null and void to Hashem. All the credit is being given to Hashem. The person isn't taking any personal credit for it, and they're not taking it personally in any way whatsoever. The next paragraph, Tuft Zion 497. Rabbeinazal appreciated when he heard that someone had seen him in a dream during Rabbeinazal's lifetime. And Rabbeinazal said, There are people among his people to whom he appears in a dream looking like an elderly person. We know Rabbeinazal passed away at the age of 38. So he said there are some people who see him in a dream and he appears like a very old person. And he said that if, if we were really religious the way he wants us to be, we would be able to hear incredible great things, awesome things in a dream, in in our dreams from him, from Rabbi Nazar. But Rabbeinu's, I'll stress, the, the, the important thing is not to forget what we see or what we hear in a dream. Because sometimes a person sees something important, and then they forget. And that's because the item, it's taken away from the person. As we find the Zohar HaKodesh speaks about this in, in the Book of Bereshis, page 199, on the second side, the Zohar HaKodesh speaks about this. Interesting, I don't usually speak about this, but once we, we have this topic, <coughs> my Rebbe, Rebbe Michal Avracha, told me and some other people that were close to him about a dream he had when he was still living in Ukraine before he came to Israel, when he was going through incredible, incredible difficulties. And in the dream, he saw Rabbeinu Zal, And he mentioned that the, the way the dream began, he saw himself in an enclosed area, closed in on all four sides, uh, like, like a jail almost, that kind of thing. But he looked carefully and he saw that it was bookcases. On all four sides surrounding him were bookcases with no, no exit, seemingly. So he thought to himself, let me go see what books, are in, what books are on these shelves. And he went and he took out a safer and he saw it was Likute Halochis, and he took out another one and another one, another one. And he was able to see an opening. He was able to see to the, through to the other side. And he saw Rabbenazal's Hazal's the grave site of Rabbein So he started taking out books, taking out books, to make a way for himself to be able to go through there to be able to get to the other side. And sure enough, he did. And he saw the tzian, the kever of Rabbenazal, with a chair on it, and Rabbein sitting on that chair, on the tzian. And he's looking at Rabbein this way, and Rabbein is not looking at him. Rabbein is looking perpendicular. He's looking at someone else, a friend of of Hazal, and he's talking to that friend. And Rabbein Hazal, was waiting there, anxiously waiting for Rabbein to look towards him, to notice him. And it's it's going on and on, and he's feeling terrible, like he's ignoring me. I, uh, and he said it got to a point where he felt he couldn't stand anymore. He had to sit down. So he sat down on the ground, and he's watching this. He's watching Rabbein speaking to this other person and feeling terrible that I'm, I'm being ignored completely. And then at one point, he said, Rabbein swiveled, like on a swivel chair. He turned around to face him, and Rabbein said, no. New in Yiddish, New? No, what do you have to say? And he was startled by it, and he said, he thought to himself for a second, Rabbi, was talking to me, I can't sit. And yet it was hard for him, but he said he picked himself up off the ground and stood up, and he started talking, he started saying, he understood that New meant, tell me, let me hear and he started telling Rabbi Nezel that he's living here in, in the Soviet Union, and there's no Yiddishkeit here, there's nothing, and he doesn't know if his children are going to marry Jews, and he started, and he suddenly burst into tears, like an explosion, like a flood of tears. And when you cry, your eyes close. He closed his eyes and opened them, and he realized it's a dream. He saw he was dreaming, so he tried closing his eyes quickly to continue to dream, couldn't do it anymore, couldn't do it. And he said, but he remembered, he remembered the face, the look of Rabbi Nezal, when he told him all of this, he saw a smile, a smile, but with pain, a pained smile. And he said he understood it afterwards to mean that it's going to be okay, but it's not going to be easy, meaning it's not going to happen in one day, it's going to take time, but everything is going to work out okay. And he said in the morning when he woke up, he was in awe, in awe that it was so... He said if he would have been an artist, he could have drawn a picture of exactly how Rabbi Nezar looked. Exactly, precisely. The payas and the beard and the hat, he was wearing everything, everything. And he said for years he had that picture in his mind when he would have in Shemone this, that. It was one of the things that, that made him much more serious about whatever he did in Avodah Hashem. And he said, years later, 20 years later, he said, obviously now it's not as clear as it was then, but this was one of the highlights in his life. And he said he told, he told it over to some of the elders in Breslev at the time. He described to them exactly how Rabbi Nizar looked in the dream, and they told him, that's how you see him. Those that see Rabbi, that's how he looks. And he had heard somebody else say he saw Rabinazal in a dream and it was something completely different. He understood that it's not, not all the same. Not all the same. Somebody asked a question in the chat, does Rabbein say anything about a birthday? What a person should do on their birthday? The answer is, number one, a person should be happy that they made it. They made it, they completed another year. And, and we find that the Torah speaks about Paroi's birthday. It says that on Paroi's birthday he made a celebration and the sar Hamashkim, one, one of his ministers he elevated, the other minister got hung. A birthday is a time of renewal. A, per- a birthday is a time when a person's mazel shines and a person should try. There are people, especially those people that live in Eretz Yisrael. some people try to go to the Qais and to save the entire Sefer Tehillim for their birthday. There are other people that try to do something special to show Hashem that I realize that I'm starting a new year in my life. I want to be better. I want to improve. I want to come close to Hashem. We should be zeich. A taught us that a breast is born anew every day. We say in the morning, we make a bracha that when a person goes to sleep at night, it's like death. The Gemara says sleep is one sixtieth of death. And when a person gets up in the morning, it's Tchiyas HaMesim. Um, Hashem is giving me new life, new life. We should be zayuchet to use every day and every week. Make it special, especially this week. We're closing. This is the final week of the month of Shvat, which had in it a two bishvat important days, and we're going into Adar, Adarishin, Adarishin, and Nisan. Three months of Simcha. Three months of Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. All of us should try to prepare for this. To beg Hashem that the month of Shvat should close with Simcha, with Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael, all the Yeshua's that everybody needs, and and especially the final Yeshua, the Gula Shleima, with the coming of Moshiach, in Rabbi, amen Omein,